It's New Comics Day, Wednesday, November 14th, 2018, and you're listening to God in Comics, the show that's been morphed by ecumenical cosmic rays to become fantastically fun to listen to and fabulously friendly to all but the most fearsome of foes. On today's show, we remember Stan Lee, who died earlier this week. He was a legend in comics and a force for bringing superheroes into the mainstream of popular culture. So stay tuned, true believers, as we recall the life of the man at the center of the Marvel Revolution that gave us so many of the characters we love today. Excelsior! Yeah. So... I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am chaplain at St. John the 23rd uh, College Preparatory in Katy, Texas. On the line with me today is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I am from Schenectady, New York, where I'm the rector at St. George's Episcopal Church. And also on the line is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm the rector of Church of the Messiah Episcopal Church in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Welcome back, guys. It's been a, a long uh, hiatus, but here we are. Here we are again, uh, and uh, kind of doing a special episode today so that we can remember the life of Stan Lee. Um, so, several things to mention at the beginning of the show. First of all. Uh, if we sound a little bit weird, um, we're trying out some new recording equipment. Uh, we still want to get some better stuff. Uh, so I know, you know, people sometimes say, gosh, we'd like, we like your show. We just have trouble listening to it (laughs) 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 because of the sound quality. And we understand that and we would like to have better equipment, but we are poor. So, uh, you know, this is what you get when you have clergy doing a show. Um, but, uh, we're working on it. We're trying to see uh, what we can do better. Um, a couple of other show notes. First of all, I'm a priest again. Yay. Um, I, you know, I was ordained a Catholic priest in August. So finally our theme song is correct again. Uh, and, uh, you know, and you Not guys, just two priests and some guy named John. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you guys don't have to trip over yourselves trying to remember not to call me father anymore. You can just... jump back into that um we are doing a slightly different format as we go into our new season uh, a lot of which has to do with you know our time in ministry and 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 not being able to devote as much time as we'd like to the show so our plan right now is to do monthly shows rather than uh, bi-weekly shows which we we weren't really keeping to that well last season anyway um, so we'll do monthly shows for a while and see how that goes. We might do some little extras uh, in between shows here and there. Uh, the monthly shows will be a little bit longer uh, and a little bit less uh, edited, so it won't be quite as uh, quite as carefully cut down as some of the previous shows have been. Uh, but you'll get a lot more of us um, being full of hot air, basically. So. <laughs> Yeah, everything you've come to expect and love from a free show, that's what you're (laughs) going to get from us. Uh, The last show note before we jump into it, um, we were recently at Doxicon, uh, a wonderful uh, convention that that brings together science fiction, fantasy, and traditional Christianity. Uh, This was Doxicon Prime that took place in Washington, D.C., Many of you have probably seen some of the photos that we put up on Facebook and Twitter. Um, and uh, we recorded a live show there, which we're going to put out next month. We also got some some interviews, little snippets of interviews that we'll uh, put out eventually here as well. Um, but just briefly, I don't know if you guys wanted to, to mention anything about the experience of Doxicon. That was a great time. It was... It was uh... I think it was a lot of fun for the three of us to kind of be in the same room for the first time and record a show together. And uh, as I commented to you guys, I sort of felt like sitting at that table, we were the Beatles, you know, on our first uh, <laughs> our first U.S. interview or something. But we were all crowded around the microphones, and but it was a lot of fun. It, it, it really was, and it was such a pleasure. I mean, we, we got to not only 
was it the first time that all three of us were in the same room together for the first time, you know, simultaneously. But we also got to meet a lot of our friends from the show. The sergeants, uh, Alex, Alexi, and, and Leah Labrasco, and uh, and Father Nico, unexpectedly too. So um, that was really cool. It was it was kind of like a family reunion for God and Comics, and the the Doxicon, um, uh, um, you know, weekend was was just a lot of fun. Some exceedingly geeky presentations uh, by by individuals who were young devout and learned and it was just it was really pretty cool i enjoyed it a lot yeah so uh, i feel the same way and uh looking forward to not only having back on some of our friends who we've already had in the past who who were at doxicon but also uh, we met some new friends that we're hoping to have come on the program in future episodes so stay tuned for that as well okay so we're going to go into our recommendation at this point. And what I want to recommend uh, today has to do with Stan Lee, since we're remembering the life of Stan Lee today. Um, and it's a book that came out. I'm not actually sure what year it came out. I'm just based on content. It's probably at least a decade old. Um, but it's called Amazing, Fantastic, Incredible a marvelous memoir by Stan Lee with help from Peter David <laughs> uh, and Colleen Duran, who is the artist who does a great job of, of drawing um, Stan Lee's life. And it's a, it's a great, uh, it's a great story. It's, you know, it's, it, it's Stan Lee telling his own life story, particularly his story in comics and it is everything that you would expect Stan Lee telling his own story to be. It is outsized, right? It's larger than life. Um, it is sometimes corny. It is um, full of enthusiasm and, uh, and energy. And that translates into some of the devices that they use and the art that gets used as well. It's, it's very creative, um, at one point, uh, or actually a couple of points, Lee talks to his own childhood self, which is sort of interesting. Wow, okay. Um, there are car cartoony moments, like when a judge representing the Comics Code Authority hits Lee with a hammer and flattens his head until he blows it back up again. <laughs> um, so there's that kind of stuff in it. Uh, it is in part hagiography, Right. I mean, Lee is a master of creating his own self story, <laughs> which is always very flattering to him. Um, but there are some moments of poignancy in it. Like there is this this one page where he reflects on the death of his second daughter who died after only three days. And there's, you know, there's this kind of moment. It's been so zany throughout the book. And then all of a sudden there's this moment and he mentions this. And then there's just, there's just a panel where he's kind of looking off and not saying anything, and then he kind of moves off of it. But it's it's very emotionally powerful the way that that uh, is drawn, um, and all that stuff is you know mixed right in there with like ridiculous moments like the time he met Fabio and <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. Um, so you know, I I recommend it. It's a good time. It'll it'll definitely if you don't know a lot about the history of comics, it's a quick way to learn a whole lot about the history of comics because you get kind of the whole picture, um, starting with with Stan Lee's you know childhood as Stanley Lieber, uh, and uh, you know growing up uh, not having a whole lot, and then moving all the way kind of through his life, um, the experiences at, at Timely. Uh, and 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 so forth that that led to him becoming the sort of icon that he is. So, amazing, fantastic, incredible, a marvelous memoir by Stan Lee with help from Peter David and Colleen Duran. Was this Marvel? Um, I don't know. I you know it, it, it because it, it came out as a graphic novel. It didn't come out in in issue format. Um, I suspect so. 
And the reason I suspect so is because there are a couple of goofy spots where where they do a cutaway and there's an image of a Disney character. <laughs> <laughs> and I suspect they couldn't do that if it wasn't Marvel. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it may be some, some sort of its own imprint or, or something like that, Okay. but you can get it on Amazon or, you know, any, any of those sort of places. I actually read it digitally. Um, so there we okay. are. Yeah. Neat. Cool. Neat. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun. I, um, I've seen that around and I wasn't sure what it was, but now, now that I hear the, the scoop, I'll have to check it yeah. out. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so let's talk about Stan Lee, who died this week at the age of 95. Uh, Stan Lee is, I think, you know, he's pretty much a household name at this point. I mean, people uh, don't always necessarily know the whole history of Stan Lee, but they have a sense of him, if if nothing else, uh, from his cameos in the Marvel movies. <laughs> he's kind of become famous for just being this random old dude that shows up in, in every one of these big blockbusters. Um, but And uh, even Teen Titans Go. Really? He showed oh, up in Teen Titans yeah, Go? he had a cameo there. That's hilarious. Wow, I didn't know that. For, for my money, uh, the, the best Stan Lee film appearance will always be uh, Mallrats. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's a whole other story. Um but, uh, you know, he was somebody who came into comics very early on uh, when it was uh, still largely something for kids um, or for GIs <laughs> who, were, who were, you know, needing something to read um, and uh, got to work a- as a very young man on uh, some, some great old original uh, books and eventually found himself being uh, essentially the chief writer for what became Marvel Comics um, and became very involved in the creation of many of the the Marvel characters that we know and love. Um, Now, we can talk a little bit about how that relates to the artists and other people who were involved in the creation of those characters. Uh, but I think probably Stanley's most enduring contribution to to the life of comics uh, is just simply for being the the spokesperson for comics in the world, um, and and kind of you know getting the image of comics out there into the world. But anyhow, l- l- let me ask you guys: uh, What do you see as the place of Stanley in the history of comics? When when all is said and done, what will people say about him? Well, uh, I'll go first. I think that um, certainly uh, he's become the face of comic books. If there's one person that sort of everybody can look at and recognize as as the representative of the comic world, I think that that's Stanley. Um, DC has never really had anybody that I think equals that maybe short of Bob Kane, but I don't think that Bob Kane's, um, kind of persona, yeah, his persona was never big enough and, uh, to kind of carry that weight, but Bob Kane, by the way, Bob, Bob Kane shows up in a, uh, amazing in, in the, in the memoir. Oh, Um, does he really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were friends, you know? Yeah. So. But I think, um, I certainly think beyond just being sort of the face of comic books, one of, uh, one of the greatest things that Stan Lee will forever be known for is um, kind of reinterpreting what a superhero is. Um, you know, prior to the advent of Marvel Comics, which Timely Comics eventually became, um, you know, superheroes were very godlike, and uh, and they were not necessarily normal people. They didn't have normal people problems usually. And um, one of the things that I think Stanley really brought to the comic world was a sense that superheroes can be normal people with all their neuroticisms and um, their uh, selfishness and and foibles and everything else that we human beings struggle with, um, you know, broken hearts and, 
all kinds of things like that. So ever since then, I think the comic world has really been changed as to how comic book superheroes are presented. And that runs all the way then back into DC Comics, who eventually make their characters more like the characters that Stan Lee introduces in Marvel. Yeah, I mean, since it's God in comics, I'll put it this way. And and I'm just to piggyback on, on what Father Kyle was saying. Um, I think Stan Lee introduced... Um, a sinful nature to the comic book hero. Well said. Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, it's it's it, it, his his characters stand in stark contrast to the kind of cardboard heroes that preceded them in a lot of ways because um, his characters have feet of clay. You know, they have these like self pitying episodes they they're like given to vanity um they're they're always quarreling together i mean like you know look at the first uh, few episodes of the fantastic four you know it's the most dysfunctional family uh, family slash superhero team i mean they're they're just jealousies there's rivalries there's just like hurt feelings and vanity i mean there's all of that but not just the flaws of the characters which is which is important like I said, he 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 depicted real life sinners as as the heroes of his of his books, but also they they struggled with the things that um, we all struggle with. Um, it, you know, um, it, um, you know, Spider Man would have a cold. And he'd sneeze into his mask or something, you know. I mean, like just like that kind of stuff. And, and he was great at at, at doing that. Um, but he um, not only did he broaden and you know uh, round out the characters in comic books, um, but Stanley also. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is true. Created the comic book universe. Um, I mean. Responding to um, the success of DC's Justice League, he created his own superhero team. But then he took it to the next level um, and took this idea, okay, so these characters know each other. Let's make a coherent world in which they all live and and their stories can overlap. You know, uh, Spider-Man can show up at at the Fantastic Four's uh, base. And, you know, you see that taking shape in the early Marvel books, and at first it's kind of rough, but then it becomes a real thing and it gets going. So um, he created, you know, more vivid characters. He created this superhero universe. Um, But he also, um, I think, created community with with comic books. Um, For the first time, really, I mean... The, 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 the creative teams on these books became characters in themselves. I mean, wh- one of the experiences you have of reading a Marvel book is interacting with Stan Lee's, like, snarky editorial comments all through the, the book, you know? Um, <laughs> or, you know, oh, I'm sorry, fans, if I bored you with all that, you know, maudlin talk, but now we're going to get into the action, you know? Um, or, or, or uh, he also, I mean, ju- beyond putting the artist and the writer, uh, he he, started, he added in like he would tell you who the letterer was and who did the ink, and you know, um, and you know, and created a Marvel community um, where uh, fans really felt like they were part of something. Yeah. You know, he you know created like that. What was it called? The, the Mary Marvel fan club or, or, or whatever, he was able to really, he had that sense of, you know, um, of building a community and, and, a, and a world and, and everything. Um, yeah, he created the letters page. The letters page. I mean, yeah. like, it just, it just felt more, he knew he had a remarkable, I mean, you know, business sense on on, 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 on on one level of how to get people involved and invested in the comic books and in the characters. Um, I mean, and, and it, it stands out that way. I mean, you really feel like you're part of something reading a Marvel book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, you're pointing to some of what I think is enduring for him. 
not not to take away from his uh, creative abilities at all. Um, you know, clearly he had uh, a great sense of wonder and imagination that helped him to, um, you know, create characters. Um, but I, I think his greatest achievement uh, and his most unique achievement is in basically becoming the ambassador of comics to the world and, yeah. Yeah. and, and figuring out how to present comics to the world how to you know he was one of the first ones who was really pushing for crossover into television and film and animation and all of these other things and was getting his own face out there um in this very winsome way right i mean you know can, can you think of a time i i can't uh, uh, where you've ever seen stan lee not look excited he's never been right he's always right he's always super excited he's always like energetic about it he knows how to kind of get out there and 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 really get the idea in front of people um and and that had an impact and you know the result of that is eventually the world sort of caught up with it and and went oh okay and all these big companies finally realized oh these these things are actually really valuable intellectual properties <laughs> um yeah. and you know we can market them and we can make money um and in doing so we can expand the reach of these stories uh and they can reach around the globe um and i you know so i i, I think that's uh, a wonderful achievement and it's certainly something that I will remember him for you know because he was always a presence I mean when you were reading comics as a kid he was always kind of a presence in them <laughs> yeah I mean sometimes uh, oftentimes you know oftentimes he would even appear in the comic right, book right, himself right. you know like he, he would write himself into the books or he and Jack Kirby and you know their face would be obscured or whatever we also, I think, need to talk about um, the way in which Stan Lee um, added a level of social consciousness to the books. Um, it's especially that that was just um, you know a perfect thing for in, in the '60s, the heady you know 1960s. Stan Lee was out, you know beating the drum on my like, college campuses and stuff like that. And, and, and he was a blogger before, <laughs> before there was such a thing as blogging. He had his Stanley soapbox, you know, in the back of the book. And, um, it's remarkable to read some of these. I mean, you know, he tackles like important issues, peace and war and racism and, 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 um, you know, does so with his own kind of like, hey, gang, kind of Stanley mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, style. But he also brought that into the comic books. I mean, you know, uh, we, we've talked on the show already about um, about the Black Panther, in, in the first, uh, you know, African superhero. I mean, he also created the first African-American superhero, the Falcon, um, introduced characters like Robbie uh, Robertson as supporting characters in Spider-Man during the time of the civil rights movement. Um, and, 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 you know, really engaged in, in those kind of important social issues, put a spotlight on drug abuse in, in Spider-Man and, and things like that. Um, People wouldn't necessarily have thought comic books a medium capable of, of wrestling with these type of topics. Um, but Stan Lee had the kind of why not attitude and, and, and really expanded the horizons for comic books to make them a, a more than a, a kid's medium. He started to make it more for something that adults could enjoy too and engage with. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. I, I think that he did in many ways help push the um, the medium of comic books into what it is today. And uh, I think that, truth be told, most comics today are not comics for kids anymore, right? Um, well, that's not the audience anymore. No, I mean, he's, he sort of moved things between the 1960s and the 1980s to a place where, you know, those 
those of us who grew up in the 1980s and afterwards kind of embraced comic books as something that we took with us into the future. So um, I do think he's got a large responsibility, a large role to play in having moved that medium in that direction. But, you know, he's also just in terms of his legacy, you look at the sheer number of characters that he's created. um, I don't think there's anybody else that measures up in that. I mean, nobody, nobody in DC had created the number of characters that Stan Lee ended up creating. And I don't think anybody at Marvel ever since has created that many. So let's name, let's name some of them. I mean, like, the X-Men. Right? Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man, Silver Surfer, Daredevil. Um, I mean, he had a hand in Captain America, right? Um, so he, in no, but in the revitalization of Captain America. Thor, yeah. uh, Iron Man, uh, I think we said the X-Men. Um, the Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk. Um, Daredevil. Mm-hmm. You said Black Panther earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, 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 the Falcon. The Fantastic uh, Four. The Avengers uh, as a team, right? And then, mm-hmm. then so many characters within Ant-Man, that, like Ant Man and Wasp. Yeah. Iron uh, Man. Uh, Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost all these, uh, you know, major movies now. Um, Captain Marvel, wasn't that? Was, was that Stan Lee? Did he create Captain Marvel? I'm not sure. I don't think he created. Uh, I don't think he created. Uh, Ms. Marvel or, or Carol Danvers, yeah. who becomes Captain Marvel, you know, in the MCU now, he might have created the original Captain Marvel. I know. I, I think know. it was Gene Collin, but I mean, mm-hmm. he. I mean, he was somewhere involved in like every Marvel book. I mean, you know, even uh, even uh, some characters that he didn't create, he had some sort of hand in in uh, helping along. Like he named the Punisher. He didn't. Did he really? Yeah, he didn't create the Punisher, but he named the Punisher. Oh, um, I mean, and he officiated at Jessica Jones and Luke Cage's wedding. He he also officiated at uh, at Spider Man and Mary Jane's wedding, at least in the comics. Done a lot of that, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> maybe he was trying to moonlight as a as a wedding chapel guy. He missed his calling. Um, but so, but you know, in naming all of these things, these characters that he created, I mean, you know, obviously we we have a lot of things to say that are very celebratory about Stan Lee, but we shouldn't shy away from some of the controversy about that too, you know. Uh, he worked with a number of very talented artists over the years uh, who contributed a great deal to these creations, right? Um, and eventually Stan Lee recognizes that. Um, you know, later on he would he would say, yes, Steve Ditko uh, created Spider-Man with me. Uh, yes, Jack Kirby created you know many of these characters right alongside me, um, and yet you sort of look at the the history, and there's just a number of people who, at various points, um, ha- after working with Stan Lee, uh, kind of walked away upset. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And so, I mean, what do we want to say about that? About the sort of controversies about whether or not he gave enough credit to. Uh, some of these co-creators. Well, I certainly think that uh, there's a level of unfairness in in doing that, right? I think we can't shy away from the fact that there's there is a kind of streak within Stan Lee that is a little self-promoting, mm-hmm. um, or was a little self-promoting. I think that his, you know, he created what was known as the mighty Marvel manner of creating comic books. The Marvel, Marvel, the Marvel method. method. Yeah. The Marvel method. There yeah. you go. Um, and, uh, that left a lot of room for, because it was really loose script and it was a lot of artist driven stuff. It left a lot of room for the artists to have a strong hand in the creating, but, and which several of them did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that he, he kind of tended to have that little bit of a glory hound streak in him. Mm-hmm. that would assume the credit for it even after he allowed them to do the work well you know i mean this is the theme that runs through the history the early history of comic books and it becomes a major uh point of change you know starting gosh in, in you know in the 90s when a lot of people were leaving and creating their own creator own books and stuff but um 
the comic book industry started, I mean, you were you were a hired man, you know. Um, you create these characters, you draw the pictures. We get the we get the you know you're an employee, um, and I think there you know that was part of the culture, um, but um, there 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 was a bit of a cult of personality around Stan Lee where where you know people just assumed it was just all him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but I mean. You know, now um, we see a lot more of uh, of credit being given to the 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 other creators. Uh, you know, we we did a whole show on Jack Kirby, and we talked about this a lot. Right. Yeah. And Jack, I- Jack Kirby is at least as responsible for the creation of Marvel Comics and and, and shaping it as into what it is. Uh, become as as stan lee was i mean he was he was the artistic uh you know visionary that that uh, that brought this world to life um you know he he was sort of the creativity behind it in a lot of ways yeah um uh, you know and 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 one gets the impression maybe that that um sometimes uh stan lee's role was rather minimal <laughs> um and, and, and Jack Kirby was just going off and, and, and one could maybe say the same for um, for Steve Ditko um, and when you do have you know great talents working together sort of like the Beatles right you know they're, they're eventually gonna come to uh, you know loggerhead and w- what creative direction to take the things and um and I, you know, I think we see that happen with, with both Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby, uh, which is, is is really a shame. Um, at least with with Jack Kirby, um, he and Stan do work together again later um, mm-hmm. in creating one of the first graphic novels for Marvel Comics. That 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 work that they did on Silver Surfer, which is is just spectacular for guys. Know later in their career. I mean, it's just a wonderful book. Um, but uh, but you you could see a lot of Jack Kirby's bitterness. You know, when he moves over to DC, he creates this wonderful character, the Funky Flashman. Do you guys know the Funky Flashman? No, no. <laughs> the Funky Flashman is Stan Lee. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, he's got these big glasses and his shirts all open with the chain. He's kind of like a, a huckster and a, a scam artist and like kind of like a, a used car salesman type guy. Hilarious. It's <laughs> really he's, funny. He's basically uh, a villain in Mr. Miracle. Um, That's funny. Um, although, even the funky Flashman has become a more in Deering kind of character now. Yeah, I mean the latest uh, Tom King version of, of Mister Miracle. He's like, you know, babysitting uh, Scott Free, and and Bart is like baby, and he's changing the diaper and stuff, you know. But he's Stanley. I mean, it's he's obviously <laughs> Stanley. <laughs> yeah, check out yeah. Funky Flash. I mean, that's it's the great. thing, you know. You can't. I mean. <laughs> Even even if you uh, and and you know the, although it's it's kind of a withering satire, um, Stan Lee, I think was not above uh, you know doing his own form of satire. I, I always mm-hmm. got the impression that he was J. Jonah Jameson. Really, J. Jonah Jameson, yeah, it's sort of based uh, at least in part on 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 Stan Lee himself. And that he pours all his kind of most, you know, uh, uh, you know, least admirable qualities into into um, into J. Jonah Jameson, like, you know, like Peter Parker takes all the pictures and he's like, these are great. I'm going to make millions, you know, <laughs> and forget about Peter Parker. I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't I don't know about that because I, I don't I never get the impression you know, I mean, certainly Stanley wanted to to be successful. He wanted the comics to make money and all that sort of stuff. But I I never got the impression that that his great drive in all of this was um, was money. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> trying to. But I, I, I do think that um, 
I do think that he was in on the joke, right? Yeah, and so he would, you know, he would he would poke fun at himself, and he was okay with that, you know. Um, and and so uh, he he took himself, uh, he you know he he might have sometimes made more out of himself than he should have, but then at the same time, you know, like he was willing to be silly, he was willing to be embarrassed. Um, he was willing to kind of throw himself out there, which is part of why those, part of why all those cameos in the Marvel films, um, some of which, by the way, have been pre-recorded. So I, I don't think we've seen the last of the cameos yet. I think at least uh, the next couple of Marvel films uh, should should have him showing up. Um, he was never afraid to play the clown. He was never afraid to do that, and and all you know again, like this is why it's it's hard. Even when you acknowledge his flaws, it's hard to be mad at Stan Lee. Because all that he did was just so, it was so aimed towards filling uh, the world with goodwill towards this this incredible medium that he had, had taken under his wing and, and really intended. You know, I mean, I think that, that what Stanley really wanted was he wanted, he wanted the whole world to acknowledge, that comic books were a wonderful form of art, um, that comic books were a great way to, to engage with story, um, and, and to explore, uh, who we are. Um, and even the things that you guys were already talking about in terms of, um, you know, unlike the early DC characters that were basically just gods that he wanted to, to make people who were real people and who were flawed, you can almost see there uh, the difference between different mythologies, right? If you think about like um, the Greek pantheon versus uh, you know certain other kind of mythological pantheons, where you've got you know uh, foils, <laughs> gods with foils, <laughs> uh, gods who uh, mess up their romantic relationships all over the place, and who. Uh, don't don't quite know how to uh, operate in the world um, you know I, I think he was embracing all of that as an opportunity for us to see something of ourselves uh, and to and to to learn from it to laugh at it to cry with it you know whatever it is that we needed to do mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think he was a very very self-consciously myth-making um, in that mm-hmm. respect. I mean, you know, if you in interviews when he's asked his literary influences, I mean, he'll point back to mythology and and, and the Bible, um, mm-hmm. and say, you know, like the the kind of the Old Testament stories and the you know um, the you know uh, and, and and the the flawed types of characters like David. You know, who's, who's a hero, but he's a hero with feet of clay. You know, all, all what uh, profoundly shaped like his own approach to to storytelling. So here's my question: uh, What do you guys think the comic book world looks like in a post Stan Lee era? You mean going forward? Yeah, going forward. Um, now yeah. we're, we're going to live in a world now. Uh, where there is no Stan Lee, uh, how does that change comics? I don't know. I mean, my I haven't really thought a lot about this uh, thus far, but I mean, my kind of gut level reaction is that it. I don't think for the immediate future it changes a whole lot. Um, not to minimize his influence, but actually to uphold his influence, because I think that the stuff that he's done and that he's contributed to the comic book world is just so so deep and so long that I think comics are going to continue down the kind of path that he's marked out, um, for them for, for the foreseeable future. I mean, Mm. that would be my gut level reaction. I just think he was involved in this medium for what, I mean, he's 95 years old when he died and we're looking back into the 1940s. So we've got a good 70 years of Stanley or more. Um, that's a long lasting imprint and I think that'll still kind of carry comics forward, but that's my gut, yeah. my sort of gut level first reaction. I, I mean, certainly his creations and his work will, will endure long, 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 long after 
he's gone, right? Um, but, you know, it is sort of a poignant milestone. Because here we are. Steve Ditko's gone. Stanley's gone. Jack Kirby's gone. I mean, it it is sort of like, um, you know, for, for the last you know, several decades, they've sort of been there in the background. Um, and the content, the connection to, you know, the Silver Age of, of comic books, the, the, the dawn of the Marvel Age, was always sort of there. Um, and I, I think we've really now crossed the kind of, you know, milestone there where where it's where um you know um we are in the post marvel age we're in the we're in the post stanley age where it's where it's like their work is the foundation for something but um it's a new era And, and 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 um they'll ever be someone as um that has that kind of universal influence on comic books again i don't know maybe i'm wrong about that but but it doesn't seem like there's anybody there's going to be anybody quite like stanley uh again you know and i i I feel like we've 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 mentioned the beatles a few times already but uh it's sort of the same thing right you know bands but there'll never be a band like the Beatles. Not not that there's not like incredibly talented, but it was just they they were the ones for that moment, you know. And Stan Lee was just the guy for that moment. He happened to be there. He he had the ideas. He had the vision, and it was just um, I don't know. Is there anybody even like that right now? Well, does um, does there even need to so. be? Does there even need to be? I mean, that you know, I, I you know, he punched a hole in the culture <laughs> that allowed for the the space for comics to kind of come into it. You know, I don't know that we that we need there to be another Stan Lee. Uh, I I just sort of wonder how things develop from here. But um, you know, as far as like the place of superheroes and popular culture i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty cemented now i don't i i i can i can see us going to a place where we don't have quite so many blockbuster films coming out all the time uh with the with these characters but i don't ever see us going back to a place where comic books are just dismissed uh you know as just this childish thing anymore i mean i think i think that this is you know he has really helped to establish uh comics as a legitimate form of storytelling and i don't i don't see that going away yeah that was kind of the point that i was making i think that i think that he's just left such a mark on it and and i think we don't need another stanley i just i and i don't think we ever will have one at least in the immediate future right i mean even some of the great names that have come up in comic books in recent years still don't have what Stan Lee had, and I don't think they ever will. They don't have the, the kind of um, culture-shifting um, persona that he had, nor do they have the, the kind of deep level of creativity that I think came out of no. him. Even, even guys whose names that you and I would know, that, yeah. like we would know, I mean, you know, nobody's going to, like, nobody knows who Neil Adams is besides, you know what I mean? Like, like a guy like that who's, like, well-known in, in comics, who any comic book person, you'd say their name and they would immediately clock into it. But if you said it to the general public, like, my mom doesn't know who Neil Adams is. But right. she would know Stan Lee. Like, she would, yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. You know, um, it, it's interesting, um... I, I, I'm just batting around in my head and thinking, well, who's a comparable figure? In some, it, it, the only one that's coming forward to me like really strongly is Alan Moore. Mm. Um, and Alan Moore has he's, he couldn't be more different than Stanley, um, but he's <laughs> really had a seismic kind of influence in, 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 in the medium, and his and his work has spilled over. Um, into 
uh, into the culture in different ways. I mean, you know, Anonymous uses the V for Vendetta, uh, and, 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 you know, the movies that have been based on him. But um, it, it, it couldn't really... And, and he, in himself, he's just, like, kind of larger-than-life character. But, um, and, and, you know, you see, oh, he's got a, a ton of imitators. Like, comic books today wouldn't be the same without Alan Moore. But still... Is it the same as Stan Lee? No. I mean, it's, it's just not even close. No. no, Alan Moore is like almost the inverse of Stan Lee, right? Like yeah. Al, Alan Moore hates, like he, you know, he hates he, people. He hates people. <laughs> he is he's a misanthrope. He doesn't want to talk about his comic book work. He's he like disowned, he's like, disowned every everything he's ever, ever done. <laughs> Yeah. Or Stanley's still like living off of like that like one Fantastic Four book he wrote, you know, like oh it was it was groundbreaking. <laughs> Alan Moore's like oh Watchmen is bloody awful, garbage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let me go write a, a million word novel that no one will ever read instead. <laughs> no, I mean um, it, 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 it's funny. Like I, I have this. Uh, I had this video that I watched over and over again when I was uh, a kid. I, I bought it at the comic store, and it was a video of uh, two of comic books' biggest names back then, which were, were uh, Todd McFarlane and and Rob Liefeld. Um, you know, and and they were, and it was they were in this video with Stan Lee, and they were sitting down at the board, and it was like Stan Lee's like. Okay, fans, we're going to show you how, you know, we do things here at Marvel. You know, and he said, we're going to create a comic book character, a new hero, just on this video. And, you know, and he comes up with the name. You know, this is how the Marvel method works. He's like, overkill. Overkill. (laughs) And Todd McFarlane and and Rob Liefeld get to work and they're drawing this guy and they're like, oh, Oh, he should have shoulder pads. Shoulder and like, pads you know, and spikes, right? Spikes. And it, it, it's interesting because here you have Stan Lee and the new guard. It's like, boy, yeah, he does look grim. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, what, what's his? Does he have a secret identity? Does he have a girlfriend? Like, what's what's with this character? And they're like, no. No, he, he doesn't need a secret identity. It's just all about the action, you know? He's just going to plow through and just... He's overkill, you know? And Stanley's like, I, you know, you could almost see the difference in philosophy there, you know? And he's like, well, uh, I mean, there's not much depth to this character. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Although, on the other hand, um, to be fair, Stanley created Stripperella. So yeah. not everything he did was a... <laughs> A piece of genius. Yeah, not everything. <laughs> not everything has that enduring appeal that uh, you know, Spider-Man has. Indeed. Well, uh, um, oh, did you want to say something else, Kyle? I or? was going to make one plug that if anybody's interested in learning a little bit more about Stanley's history beyond the the graphic novel you recommended, there is a book called Marvel: The Untold Story that's out that that um, oh. does a pretty good job of capturing the early years of Marvel and, and all of that. So can we also just mention very briefly, you know, we haven't really talked much about his personal life and that's fine. Cause you know, we're focusing on, on his impact on comics. Um, and you know, and there's good and bad in his personal life, just like there is in most people's, but, um, he was married for what, six and a half decades or something 69 like that. Nine years. I thought yeah. Yeah. Almost, seven. almost seven decades, uh, yeah. to, um, to uh, his wife Joan, who um, many people think is the inspiration for a number of um, women in comics, including Mary Jane Watson, including Stripperella, maybe not Stripperella, <laughs> but uh, but Mary Jane Watson, um, and uh, he um, he you know they they clearly uh, cared a great deal about each other, and I I just like to celebrate stuff like that because it seems like that's yeah. such a rare. Yeah. A rare thing to see. So, um, absolutely. And of course, she passed away before him a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but there we are. Okay. Well, friends uh, and true believers, 
there is a, a lot more that we could obviously say about Stanley. Um, there's a lot that you all probably have to say about Stanley, and we'd love to hear uh, your thoughts about the passing of this comic book legend. You can tell us over social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash godandcomics, or you can tweet at us. We are on Twitter at godandcomics. Um, but for now, we're going to move on to our favorite little segment this and every week which we call this or that this or that this or that come on everybody let's this or that batman or iron man this or that spider-man or superman this or that boxes or briefs this or that dvd or vhs this or that dungeons or dragons this and that moses or elijah this or that this or that this or that come on everybody let's this or that and father matt what do you got for us with this or that? Well, I'll start with Father Kyle. Father Kyle, Bishop William Love or Reverend Lovejoy? <laughs> I have to give it to Bishop William Love because he's the bishop who ordained me to both the diaconate and the priesthood. Um, so I have, I have much love for Bishop Love, and uh, I'll, I'll stick with that. Same thing here. We have that in common. Yes. Father Jonathan? Yes. Hawaiian shirts or tie-dye? Those are my only two options. Um, <laughs> Your only two options. I used to have... Um, what were those called? I used to have one of these shirts when I was a kid that... Uh, that almost looked tie dyed, and if you if you got it warm, it changed colors. Do you guys remember oh, this? Yeah, they're color changing shirts. Yeah, yeah, what were they? I don't remember what hypercolor. That's what hyper-color, they were called. Hypercolor. So oh. I, I um, you know, I would like, you know, like you you put your mouth up to the arm and breathe on it, and then all of a sudden it would go from like blue to red or whatever. Um, wow. So I'm gonna go with hypercolor. I'm gonna go with hypercolor. So basically, he's saying like an advanced form of tie dye. An advanced form of tie dye. That's right. And then when you'd get that's really right. nervous, your armpits would change color, but not the rest. Of it. <laughs> yeah, you had to be a little careful about where you wore this thing. But okay, all right. <laughs> hey man, you asked. I'm looking up on Amazon. All right. Do you think they make clerical shirts like that? You could do, uh, you could make your own. Who was, uh, didn't we used they to know? They for the liturgical season. <laughs> Father Kyle, we, we used to know somebody who made their, his own clergy shirts. Father, um, Father Bill, um. Bill Hess? Yeah, Bill Hess, yeah. He yeah, used, yeah. To, and he'd make his own Hawaiian clergy shirts. Yes. You remember yep. that? I do. So there do. you go. Shout out to Father Bill Hess if you're listening. Father Kyle, J. Jonah Jameson or Jonah Hanks? Uh, I give it to J. Jonah Jameson. Being, mm. being an avid Spider-Man fan, mm. I have to have to give a shout out to him. Jonah Hanks is a character I haven't read a whole lot of. I kind of my my experience with him lingers in the uh, like the Brave and the Bold team ups with Batman. Um, that's the most I know about him, but yeah. yeah. Jonah Hex is a great character. Yeah. He's creepy. But he seems he's a great creepy. character. Yeah. He's been yeah. showing up in, um, in television now too. He's on, uh, he's, he's shown up a couple of times on, uh, DC's legends of tomorrow. Oh, really? oh well, yeah. you know, I was going to ask that. It seems like the natural place for him to. Well, yeah. Like, on the time traveling show. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So yeah. there's there's also um uh Palmiotti wrote him for a little while which was uh-huh. which was pretty good. Yeah. Anyway. So uh Father Jonathan St. Martin or St. Aidan? Well, um Hmm. That's a tough choice. I think I'll go with St. Martin. I think I'll go with St. Martin. I should go with St. Aidan though. Um no, I'll go. I'll go with. I'll go with Saint Martin, um, just just for the time of year and uh, uh, the the sort of uh, witness of Saint Martin to um, you know 
giving his cloak to uh, Christ, as it turned out. Uh. Nice reminder for us that the strangers in our midst are not our enemies, but may actually be our Lord. So we 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 usually do a coat drive this time of year, and I and I use Saint Martin as a sort of inspiration because mm-hmm. he gave his cloak to the beggar. <laughs> so we have a, a big at the at the school. We have a big uh, feast day mass each year that is kind of it's a recognition of Veterans Day, and it's a like grandparents thing too like we have a lot of the students invite their grandparents to come whether they're veterans or not but uh, so this is obviously the first year i've done it but in past years what they've done is it's been close enough to saint martin they just take the readings from saint martin's day and they use that which is sort of interesting um this year it happened to fall on uh, a mandatory feast um which was the feast of the uh, erection of the b- basilica, the uh, Lateran Basilica in Rome, uh, and so like all of the readings were about buildings, and <laughs> so it was interesting trying to figure out how to like talk about Veterans Day and grandparents when all of your readings are about here's how great it is to build a church. <laughs> interesting. Aren't bricks lovely? You know. Anyway. I thought you meant St. Martin Luther. I got... Oh, well, well, I think Uh, think Martin Luther was named because he was born on on Martin's feast day, wasn't he? I think that's quite possible. Or the day before or something like that, because he shares a a birthday with my son Isaac. That's fine. Uh, Martin Martin Luther knows better now, so that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Martin Luther admired St. Martin. If, you know... He's probably made his way through purgatory at this point. So, it's uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> hey, man, you opened that can of worms. I did. <laughs> so, fa- Father Kyle, um, Kingpin or Burger King? <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, Burger King. I haven't eaten Burger King in like uh, in in like what was it now? Twenty five years. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but at least Burger King won't kill me. So oh, okay. I have to go. I Burger have to go King with it. is the man with ill intent. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I you know Burger King may be the greatest villain of all. You don't know. I, I, Unless they want to, unless they want to, like you know, give us money to do the show, in which case Burger King is perfectly yeah, fine Burger with me. King down the street from from me that I, I, I sometimes can't help but go to during the day. But <laughs> it's uh, you know I struggle. I'm an addict, but <laughs> but they had, they had this sign out front, and it was it was a giant burger, and the burger was green. Like the bun with green, like <laughs> that's called green. mold. <laughs> and, and it had it was like a piece of fried chicken and a cheeseburger on like a bright green <laughs> bun, and it looked like just about the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I can't imagine anyone eating that. Yeah, wow. what you Absolutely. guys need is you need Whataburger. We have Whataburger here in Texas, and it's the, yeah. Did, I saw those. Did you have any while you were here, Father no, Kyle? Oh, next time you're out, well, I gotta have you guys out. It's it's. I mean, it's a fast food place, but it's like the best. It's, it's the best the fast food place. We're down in Texas. You should. I'm telling you, at least in Houston, the food is 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 pretty uh, pretty amazing. So we need. There needs to be some sort of convention here that can invite us to come, so you guys have a good excuse to come out here. Yeah, and then I'll, okay. I'll feed you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe St. John's Preparatory wants to start a Comic-Con type event. Sure. <laughs> I, <laughs> that could be but, fun. Uh, we definitely have some students. I don't know about if, if students are listening at this point or not, but we definitely have some students who are big comic book fans who will argue with me about stuff. Like now that they know I like comics, like they'll stop me in the hallway and be like, how could you not love man of steel? It's the greatest movie that was ever made. And I'm like, Oh gosh. Mm. Well, yeah, <laughs> but it's, but it's cool to see kids that are, you know, passionate about, about. Comics. Okay. Well, uh, 
I have an important question for you, Jonathan. Yes. Happy Hogan or Hulk Hogan? Happy Hogan. Who is Happy Hogan? Happy Hogan worked for Tony Stark. Happy Hogan's like his kind of like, you know, he's like kind of the comic relief. And <laughs> oh, okay, this sounds vaguely familiar. Well, I'll go. It's Happy Hogan and Pepper Potts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with Happy Hogan if for no other reason than Hulk Hogan's kind of a sleaze ball. So. <laughs> The Hulkster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And how many of these should I do? I've lost track. Five, um, but I think you've already six. done you've already done six, so you got a really um, good one you want to end it on? Um here we go. Alright. Uh Father Kyle. Steve Ditko or John Ramita? Ooh. Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to say John Romita just because he is one of my favorite artists ever. I love the, I just love his art. I love the cleanness of it. I, mm-hmm. And I, I find his art to be a little bit cleaner and um, just more eye grabbing than Steve Ditko's, even though I do like Steve Ditko's stuff. Yeah, it's hard to say for me. I mean, uh, John Romita is definitely a great, I won't begrudge you that. I've been reading um, the early Daredevil books with, uh, art by John Romita. Yeah, yes. And talk about one of the books where um, there's one where Spider-Man and Daredevil get into it. And um, I was reading it with the kids. And Stanley makes Spider-Man such like a temperamental jerk. He almost goes a little over the top with it. <laughs> yeah. Like my son's like, Spider-Man's kind of like a bad guy in this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, John Romita... Um, you know, what's really interesting about John Romita in relation to Spider-Man is the way that he was able to take what Steve Ditko did and create a whole new thing with it that seemed perfectly logical in terms of the following, you know, so like he was able to mimic a lot of what Ditko did and then expand it and change it and, and make it evolve. Yeah. Um, which is which is a particular skill because usually when a new artist comes on a book, it's like you know etch a sketch. The whole thing just looks completely different. Yeah, um, I get that. <laughs> but you know, but he was able to kind of make it seem like a natural progression. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, that's going to do it, I think, for our show this time out. Uh, we, we, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up this season, so I hope you guys are going to tune in, subscribe, tell your friends, take some long car trips so you can listen to all this good stuff that's coming up. We've got some wonderful guests coming up this season. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, be sure to check out our website at godandcomics.com. It'll, it'll tell you all about us. You can listen to the show again while you're there. You can check out links to some of the rad stuff that we talked about today. And you can also subscribe to our show through iTunes. Uh, And while you're at iTunes, please take a moment to give us a rating and write a review. It only takes a little bit of your time, and it helps other people to find the show. And we would be tremendously grateful. Uh, I don't know what we can offer you to do this. Uh, Maybe like Father Matt can do your, your home answering machine message or something. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but you know, really. Believe it or not, John isn't at home. <laughs> great Seinfeld reference. There we go. Um, uh, also, a great, great reference to um, the greatest, American, the greatest hero. American hero. One of my favorite. TV which I shows. noticed when I was at Father Kyle's house, he has uh, both seasons of on DVD, which is exciting. That's right. Didn't get the third season yet. Oh, I didn't. I thought there was only two seasons. No, three. We'll see. There you go. I'll have to do a show about that at some point. Anyway, uh, please do take a moment to give us a rating and a review. We would, we would be very appreciative uh, of you doing that. Our theme music, which you are hopefully banging your head to right now, is by Father Paul Wheatley, who loves Stan Lee and loves the Incredible Hulk especially so much that he's decided to wear a green chasuble at Mass this Sunday in honor. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michigan. 
I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. And we'll see you. Excelsior! Thank you.